Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation. Welcome back to the show. We're back here on a Tuesday morning after that typically expected Monday night game that we were looking for out of the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Of course, we're also going to recap the Sunday night game for you guys today, along with the waiver wire report. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater on the MD Saints Football Show. We're always streaming live to you on social media at Show. On YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. And, of course, you can always catch us on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever, wherever you like to go to get your podcast. And check us out tonight from 7 to 8, Tuesday night, on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Now, yesterday we talked about the entire Sunday Week 2 recap, with the exception of the Monday night game, uh, Sunday night game, of course. So let's dive into that game. And what a great game it was. What a great game to cap off the day of what was really an uneven day. Started off kind of weak. Started off kind of blah. The one o'clock games were eh, disappointing at most for fantasy points. Not a lot of close calls. Four o'clock got a little bit better. Had that Tennessee-Seattle game going to overtime. The Arizona-Minnesota game went back and forth. And then it ended up with a bang. You just watch these two teams just beat up on each other and just have highlight reel after highlight reel play. Didn't start off great for Lamar Jackson. Looked like it was going to be a typical Chief Baltimore Raven type matchup. Looked like it was going to be a typical Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson matchup. Started off really, really bad. Ultimately, still didn't have a great day passing the ball. I mean, 18-26, fine. 239 yards, fine. One passing touchdown. He had two picks. But boy, did he get it done on the ground. And that's where he that's why the Ravens won because of what he did on the ground. Ran 16 times, over a hundred yards, two touchdowns, one to win the game. And that's what Lamar Jackson can do best. It's not his passing stats. His passing stats are the icing on top. They're the whipped cream on top of that latte that I like to get in the morning from Dunkin' Donuts, that pumpkin spice baby. It's that time of the year. But That is what he can do. That's what you're getting. You're getting RB1 numbers with a little passing numbers on top. 
And that's what you have to continue to expect. Now, things might still get better. Rashad Bateman is back on the way. I think this this could wind up being the last week he's out. He could be back as soon as week four. We'll have to see exactly what happens if he's ready to come off the IR after the three weeks that he was initially said he's going to be on there for. We'll keep our eyes on that. He'll have more weapons in that way. But still, this is as just secondary to what Lamar Jackson is going to do for you from a fantasy standpoint. And if you were at all worried about him, you know, in the first week of the Raiders, this is going to be similar to what it was last season. He's going to get off to a slow start again. We have to wait for him to actually take off and run. And no, you're not going to have to wait that long. You got it this game. You can expect for it to continue, especially next week against Detroit, especially after what you saw today. Now, we had a couple interesting takeaways, right? As far as outside of Lamar Jackson goes, you go to the running back. Devonta Freeman was also active for this game. Latavius Murray, Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams did lead the way, and he was very good. 13 carries, 77 yards, was very efficient. He led the way on snaps. He, I believe he had 38 snaps to you know, Latavius Murray, or 37 snaps, excuse me, Latavius Murray's 27. Devonta Freeman only had 10, even though Freeman had that one nice, you know, nice little gain there he had. I believe he scampered along for 31 yards on that play. Actually looked like he had a little bit of burst there. It was kind of shocking there for a second. I wasn't sure who I was watching. Latavius Murray is the one who winds up with the touchdown. This could wind up being the issue for Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams is the back to own of Baltimore if there's going to be one back to own. But the problem is that because Latavius Murray has that particular skill set that I believe the Ravens really, really like, which is that downhill powerful runner, I do think they're going to give him the opportunities at the goal line. It's two weeks in a row now they've done that. And the first week, he had barely been on the team for even a week. And this continued again this week. So from that standpoint, I'm a little bit concerned about you know Tyson Williams. What exactly is his ceiling in this instance basically that that that's what i'm a little bit concerned about for him however he's still the back to own he'll continue to be about an rb3 for me kind of kind of similar to what a damian harris was a, a, a year ago you wanted to play him you knew he was going to get the majority of the carries you knew he would be serviceable but you also knew he needed to get that touchdown because unlike damian harris this is just a team they don't throw the ball they don't throw the ball run, running backs period even though Tyson Williams is the one who has that skill set. And he had two targets, two catches, 16 yards in a game in which the Ravens had 36 points going against the Kansas City Chiefs. If there was ever going to be a game script in which the running back might catch the ball, it'd be this one. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in his offense. So because of that, he's a guy who has a high floor. He's the most efficient back. He'll get the most carries on this team. He'll probably have a big game here or there. But you can't expect a big ceiling out of him because Latavius Murray is going to take away that touchdown opportunity, which is what he's going to need to have that ceiling because the passing game is not going to be there. That's the unfortunate part there. So I'm keeping Tyson Williams. I'm not worried about anybody else in Baltimore. If, if somebody, if Tyson Williams go down, then Latavius Murray has some value, sure. But then we'll see Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell sprinkled in. I just don't think there's ever going to be any one back to take the reins on this Baltimore team. It's not going to happen. Plus, we can't forget that the leading running back is actually Lamar Jackson. We can't forget about that, too. Marquise Brown had a nice outing. Six receptions, 113 yards. Gets a touchdown on 10 targets. Him and Sammy led the way as far as snap count goes. I mean, it was it was pretty much just him and Sammy. It, it, Sammy had 70, care, uh, 70 snaps, actually. And Marquise Brown was at 55. Sammy coming away with the seven targets with the mediocre fantasy game. Four receptions, 44 yards. We have to see what happens when Rashad Bateman does return. This is not a team that typically likes to use three receivers. And because they like to run the ball the way they do, 
Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins. You might see Marquise Brown go back to what he was a year ago, even when he was the only receiver, which was playing a lot of third downs and not much else, which is what really killed his fantasy value last year. Now it might happen because of personnel when Bateman comes back, because right now he's going to always going to be out there on two receiver sets. I think Brown should be the top guy. He should be the lead guy. But because of the way this offense is built, I don't know for sure that happens when Bateman comes back. So something to watch for now, because Marquise Brown has now had two good games in a row, has gotten a target share, physically looks a little bit better to me this year. Looks a little thicker this year. Looks a little bit more comfortable within the offense. They're taking Lamar Jackson's being a little bit more aggressive with the play action, at least through the first two weeks anyway. That's why Marquise Brown's had some nice fantasy value. He'll continue to be a boomer bust wide receiver three until Bateman returns, which again could be in week four. So don't get carried away on the Marquise Brown love. You can play him for another week against Detroit. He has boomer bust potential, but remember against Detroit, the Ravens, I know I said this about the Raiders when they matched up against them last week, but the Ravens may not have to do a ton to win that game. All right. It may be a situation where they come out aggressive in the first half and the second half. It's just, it's all about the running game. So it's a boomer bust, even though it's a plus matchup in that game too. So just kind of keep that in mind moving forward. But for now, Marquise Brown is going to enter that boomer bust wide receiver three territory. We got to see how these snaps break down when Rashad Bateman gets folded back into the mix. Maybe he won't be right away, but we'll have to see. Uh, outside of that, Mark Andrews, five targets, five receptions, 57 yards. That's a fine tight end day. I know he hasn't had that big game yet. He had, he had a bad game against the Raiders. He hasn't found the end zone yet. It'll come. I have no doubt that by season's end, Mark Andrews will lead this team in receiving touchdowns. There's no reason to think that he's still not Lamar Jackson's favorite target when it gets into the red zone. Just hasn't gone his way yet. I'm not panicking. He's still a top six tight end in my mind. You're sticking fine with Mark Andrews moving forward. No reason to sell him off for pennies on the dollar, which is all you would get at this point because somebody would try to take advantage of you. On the Chiefs side of the ball, Mahomes is pretty good at football. Patrick Mahomes is good at football. That's why hot take of this. Now, <laughs> look, 343 yards, three touchdowns against a, a, a decent Baltimore Ravens defense. I say decent. They're not good anymore because they've lost too many guys, especially with Marcus Peters being out. But he had a great game. Fantasy-wise, you're not going to complain about that. Travis Kelsey finds a way to just continue to be a model of consistency. It's, it's unreal. Seven receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. I mean, it's unreal how consistent this guy is for fantasy football purposes. It's, it's ridiculous. It just continues to be great there. Even with a reduced snap count, by the way. I mean, he he wasn't out there for like 100% of the snaps like he used to be. He was out there. He had 44 snaps. Blake Bell had 20. Like, it, it wasn't. It wasn't 100% of the snaps, and yet he just dominates this game. Just dominates this game. The The safety net that he is is ridiculous. Uh, Tyreek Hill was a disappointment. You know, four targets, three receptions, 14 yards. The Ravens decided early on, and you could see the way the defense was tilting, they, they were not going to let Tyreek Hill beat them. They were not going to get beaten by the big play down the field. They were going to have to make, or at least in their mind, the Chiefs have to drive. Now, what happens when you tilt your entire defense to one player in particular, tilt your entire defense to Tyree kill when Patrick Holmes is the quarterback. Well, the big play is still going to be there for this offense. It just might not be through Tyree kill that game. It probably will be through multiple others. And it was Demarcus Robinson had a really nice 30 yard touchdown in this game. Uh, Brian Pingle broke one for a 40 yard touchdown in this game. In fact, the guy who's actually targeted, you know, tied for the most targets on the team, Nicole Harbin, 
eight targets, five catches, 55 yards. I mean, he was the only one of those three trio to not get the touchdown. And yet, he actually played ahead of Demarcus Robinson. Remember, Demarcus Robinson outsnaps him last week. He outsnaps Robinson in this one by 10 snaps in this game, out targets him, and is not the one who winds up with the touchdown. This is why Samiko Harmon was a drop for me last week. He's not a, I'm not going to turn around and repick him up. The second wide receiver of the Chiefs is a carousel. It's a three-man carousel. You never know who's going to score. And the only way they're really going to be that fantasy value for you is if they score. They are a boom and bust option at best, and they're all the same. I would have I would have Robinson Hardman a bit ahead of Pringle on a, on a consistent basis, but ultimately, they're all wide receiver four, wide receiver fives, boom or busts guys that you're praying score a touchdown and score a big touchdown that game. That That's all they are. That's all That's all they are. Here's what's a little bit more interesting we have to get into. Uh, I'm getting really... really I, I usually try to wait till the end of the season to do, you know, a whole winner's dance, a ring around the circle, a I told you so. I'm not going to quite do it here. I'm not going to do my victory dance just yet, but I'm getting close to doing it on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I told you guys, when second he was drafted, first of all, DeAndre Swift should have been the pick. Second of all, Clyde Edwards-Alaire can't get it done in the red zone. He's on an offense that while they throw the ball a ton, they don't throw the ball to the running back because Mahomes, because just his God-given ability, he doesn't have a need to check the ball down. And he's not going to check the ball down. And especially this year, he has a good offensive line. He's not going to be under pressure where you think he would want to check the ball down. So unless Reed, again, is going to call screens and game plans who get Clyde Edwards the ball in the passing game. He's not going to naturally get it on his own. It's not going to happen because of Mahomes' skill set. So when you take away a red zone and you take away what his best skill set is, which is catching the ball at a high rate, all you're left to hope for for fantasy purposes is an efficient day and or a big play in the run game. Well, again, Clyde Edwards has never been a big play guy in the run game. It's never been his skill set. He doesn't have that explosive factor. Never was an LSU. He was known for being a solid back who could do a little bit of everything. The main thing would be catching the ball. So you take all that away. What are you left with? Well, now you have to hope he has an efficient day. But for fantasy purposes, that means he has to have a lot of volume. Well, it was a pass first team. It's not a run first team. He had 13 carries in this game. And what was a tough matchup and was inefficient. 3.5 yards a carry. This is pretty much my long-winded way of saying Clyde Dewar-Lair is nothing more than RB3, and that's only because of the offense that he's in. Otherwise, if he was on any other team right now, he would be in more of a committee and be even less valuable. Because he's on the Chiefs and he's a clear-cut starter, he continues to be an RB3 because he'll get enough of a workload where you're going to want to have him in your starting lineup more times than not, at least as a flex. But he's not an RB2 in my book. Now, most of you drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be an RB2. So if you're saying, well, Dan, what do I do now? I'm panicking. How do I get return to my investment at this point? How do I save face? You wait for a big game. That big game could come as soon as next week. But this, the point is this. Is the, second, the second Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a big game, has a 20-carry, 100-yard, and a touchdown performance, because it'll eventually happen. It will eventually, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's and he's the workhorse back. It will eventually happen. The second it happens, 
you trade him for whatever it is that you can get for him at that point. Say, hey, he's turned a corner. Hey, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, he's a good running back. And you try to package him with another player if you have to. You sell up. You get a legitimate RB2 at minimum. Maybe a low in RB1 is coming off of a bad week. We'll see exactly when that happens. Stay tuned for my buy low candidates when that opportunity comes along. But that's what you do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You continue to play him in your flex. The second he has that big game, you sell him for what you can get him for. Because I'm telling you right now, you are not going to get return on your investment with a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But you're stuck in limbo because you can't, it's not a droppable player or anything like that. So you're stuck in limbo until you're able to sell him off, unfortunately. Let's go to the Monday night game. Uh, I think the Packers got back on track. If I'm not mistaken, especially Aaron Jones did. Woo! Four touchdowns in this game, three of them receiving. Of course, one of those touch passes, which should barely be you know, considered a passing touchdown, but they are nonetheless. And as a result, Aaron Jones walks away with three receiving touchdowns, a rushing touchdown in this game. Aaron Rodgers gets four touchdowns as a result in this game. You're just happy about literally everything that you needed out of a fantasy perspective from the Green Bay Packers, which you need Rodgers to go off, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. Everybody got out of it healthy. Everybody had a great game. While Adams wasn't the one who saw the end zone in this game, he still had eight receptions for 121 yards and nine targets. Thank you, Detroit, for getting everybody back on track. If you if you streamed you know, Robert Tanyan, three receptions on three targets, 52 yards, he gets the touchdown. I still don't love that volume for Tanyan you know, down the road for sustainable tight end, which is why he's still going to be a streaming tight end to me. He's not a bona fide top 12 guy, but he still had looked good out there. Had a nice, had a nice yards after catch after one of them with a 22 yarder. He's the other guy outside of Devontae Adams. I think is allowed to catch the ball and score touchdowns. It's not Marquez Valding. Definitely not Alan Lazard. And it's not Randall Cobb. The only other guy is going to be Robert Tanya, I believe will be probably the number two pet. Well, number three pass catcher behind Aaron Jones, apparently who, by the way, also had six receptions and 48 yards, 70 carries, 67 yards. So if you're worried about the Packers, it shouldn't be anymore. I know it's Detroit. And you're like, well, this is a great matchup. This, this type of game will get them back on track moving forward and doing more green Bay like things and just kind of get that, you know, that saints debacle off of their minds. So you're good moving forward. Nothing else really changes the Green Bay Packers from a fantasy perspective. And like I said, there, thankfully, in these games, there wasn't any injuries like there was a slew of during the Sunday afternoon. Man, was I busy on social media at Belly Up MDFF show getting you guys the updated news because there was a ton of it because there were so many players injured. And there's a ton of it we're going to have to keep you up to date throughout the week on as well, affecting the projections. We go to Detroit Lions side of the ball. Goff was a streaming quarterback for me. And you know what? He was fine. He was fine. If you streamed him, he wasn't the reason you lost. 246 yards, two passing touchdowns. He did have the pick, but he also tacked on, surprisingly, 46 yards on the ground to kind of give him a little base floor to go with it. So he was okay. He looked really good to start the game. Things fizzled out. The rain came in, and the Lions remembered they are the Detroit Lions, in fact. He had a really nice throw to Quintus Cephas for a touchdown, who walked away as the top wide receiver of the game. The top pass catcher, of course, once again, being TJ Hawkinson. Eight receptions, 66 yards, a touchdown on nine targets. He's the number one pass catcher. 
he'll always have a high floor and given he's a tight end, that's a great thing to have. And a, and a guy like a TJ Hawkinson, he's my tight end four in the year. I have no reason to doubt that he won't finish inside the top five with the start that he's had and the role that he clearly has for this team throughout the year. Even when Tyrell Williams comes back, I thought maybe at some point St. Brown might take this as a favorite target. I don't think that's going to happen, or at least even if it does, I don't know if it's going to matter. So that's kind of where it goes back and forth there. TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, and Jamal Williams are the fantasy value that you care about. Once again, Jamal Williams winds up being the quote-unquote starter, but DeAndre Swift gets one more carry than him, 8-7. to seven, Was way more efficient, 4.6 yards carry to 3.6 for Jamal Williams. And then he was the lead catcher on the day. Five targets, four receptions, 41 yards. Jamal Williams, three receptions, 12 yards, three targets. Swift's going to have a floor every single week because you know he's going to get more of the volume and because this offense will have so much volume available for these two running backs. So he's always going to have to stay floor. In order for him to hit those ceiling games, you're going to need him to hit a big play. You're going to need him to find the end zone. And that's just where Jamal Williams kind of limits his ceiling. Like DeAndre Swift right now could be a high-end RB2, maybe even a low-end RB1, considering when you look around the rest of the league and how it's shaping out, if it wasn't for Jamal Williams. But he's not going away. So you have to continue to utilize him and view him as a mid-to-low-end RB2 who has upside because he has the ability to hit that big play whether it be receiving or rushing. And he loves starting him every single week as an RB2 because he has a nice floor because you know the volume is going to go his way. And the game script, it doesn't matter the game script. If the lines are ever to be up, great. Both Swift and Williams will split carries. Most games are going to be down like they have in the past two weeks and they're going to come back from behind. Great. There's lots of targets for Swift and Williams. So you're good there as far as the floor. Nothing else changes from that fact either from a fantasy standpoint. All right. So what we're going to do, I'm going to get a word from our sponsor. We're going to come back on the other side, talk about the waiver wire report. Remember it's a shorter show today. It's only an hour long. Let's talk about the waiver report and get you guys about your day and give you that edge as we get ready and begin the preparation for week three. Can't wait. So stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless, unless we swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation. And thank you for tuning in early on a Tuesday morning. If you're watching the show live, that is on social media, at Show or on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Please subscribe to that. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over, well, we just went over the recap of the Sunday night and Monday night game. And now it's time to start the process to begin your prep for week three. I don't care if you're 0-2. 
I don't care if you're one and one. I don't care if you're two and zero. Your team can always get better, and your season is not lost. Remember, we got the extra game this year, so there's going to be plenty of fantasy competition. Your teams most likely, if you're listening to this show, will be in it closer to the end, further along into the year, which means good things for fantasy owners because now you stay more relevant for longer periods of time. If you get off to a slow start, you still have time to get caught back up again. So if you're 0-2, don't sweat it. And this is where you start to get better here. It's through the waiver wire. It's through trades. But we start now with the waiver wire report. So what I've been doing this year, unlike other years, usually I worked my way down from like top percentage owned to least percentage owned. And then what I would do as far as going after them and worked it off this way. This year, I'm doing a little bit more by position. Now, this week, there's only one quarterback I'm going after. I still can't believe... He hasn't actually moved since last week as far as his ownership. So he comes back in a repeat to the waiver wire from last week. And that's Justin Fields. Now, I have to imagine being that Andy Dalton now got injured and we had three and a half quarter, two and a half quarters, I should say, of Justin Fields on Sunday to look at. Now, it wasn't pretty. He didn't have a great game against Cincinnati. I think he'll probably be a little bit more prepared if he's going into the game thinking he is the starting quarterback. Andy Dalton, yes, he did not suffer an injury that's going to be long-term. However, even if it's just a, you know, a quote-unquote bone bruise in the knee, because of a bone bruise in the knee, it could at least cost him this week. If it costs him this week, there's no reason in my mind why Justin Fields will not stay the starter throughout the year. I know the Bears came out and said that if Andy Dalton is healthy, he is still their starting quarterback. They can say that. That's fine. They've been wanting to show him loyalty for I don't know what reason this entire process. Once Justin Fields is the starting quarterback, there is no way in hell he's not going to continue to be the starting quarterback. There's no way in hell they go back to Andy Dalton. I know Matt Nagy is the Mr. Illogical Adam Gase 2.0. I get it. I know he defies logic at every turn that you could possibly think of, but I don't see how ownership allows them to go away from Justin Fields once he is a starting quarterback for them, whether it's by injury or not. And even if it, I don't think they'll come to that, frankly, because I think with Justin Fields on the field, no pun intended, he's going to make that offense a lot better. Now, offense hasn't been good. Now, offense has not been good in the first two weeks. He'll make that offense a lot better, a lot more efficient, have a lot more weapons. And they need it. They need more weapons. They need more ways to score. They need more ways to move the chains. He'll provide that for him. So if no other reason, I do believe he will play himself into this job. But even if he doesn't quite have a great game this week, I see no chance. I see no chance the organization lets them go back to Andy Dalton once Justin Fields is out there on the field. Because you're going to have a riot in Chicago. I'm telling you that right now. So as a result of this, if you are somebody who's been streaming quarterback and went into this season taking a quarterback late and thinking you were going to try to find some value on the waiver wire at some point during the year. This is that guy. Now, it depends on how many are in your league who subscribe to that strategy. If you're a 12-man league, you might have had three or four who waited to the last possible second to take a quarterback and are in what you call the streaming territory of guys. So you have to put that into your equation fad budget-wise. Priority-wise, I'm definitely using a priority in Justin Fields. He has the upside of a top 10, especially a top 12, maybe even a top 10 quarterback because you know how much he's going to run. 
and you know as long as you have a running quarterback, there's a good chance he'll finish right in that top 10 area, especially if he runs a lot. Justin Fields will run a lot. I guarantee that. So I don't want to go crazy on the fat budgets. I definitely use the priority. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. But if you, let's say you have, you know, you got three other teams or four other teams in a 12 band league that you know are going to want to go after him. They're looking for that quarterback to pick up off the waiver wire to say, I told you so. Probably going to have to go about 20%. Even in, even in one quarterback leagues, you're probably going to have to go about 20%. Because when you stream quarterback, you put yourself in that position, it's still rare to come across a guy who could legitimately be a top 10 play every single week to pick up off the waiver wire. You try to play the matchups to create that guy, but to actually get that guy, it's not a very common opportunity. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, there's Trey Lance who could also be in the same situation. Yeah, potentially, but Fields is in that situation now, and you think maybe Lance could be in that situation. But right now, the 49ers are 2-0, and there's, they're not coming off of Jimmy Garoppolo anytime soon. Fields is that guy now. So I'm not going to wait around for something that hypothetically might happen later on in the season. I'm going to grab that guy now. So I would go actually 20% on your fab budget if you are in that situation. Now, if you're not and you have a quarterback you're starting every week, the quarterback, if I have a, a Tom Brady, an Aaron Rodgers, a, a Josh Allen, a Kyler Murray, Lamar, a Lamar Jackson, or Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to bother picking up Justin Fields. So this is very much in your situation, but he's going to be one of the top waiver priorities for me. The next guy, we moved to the running back. Like I said, he was the only quarterback. We moved to the running backs. J.D. McKissick, he's at 42% owned on average right now. This is more of a PPR move for me. But I came away from that Thursday night game, and we talked about this on the recap when I had Murph on the show from 5-Yard Rush. I came away from that Thursday night game feeling like I'm watching a repeat of last year. Now, I know, technically speaking, Antonio Gibson played more on third and mediums than he did last year, even in that game, even though he didn't get the targets. But I don't really care about that. I don't really care about if he gets sprinkled in on third downs. I care about the two-minute drill. Because Washington's going to be in quite a bit of two-minute drills. Newsflash, uh, Chris and I talked about all offseason how this Washington defense was overrated because the secondary wasn't good. We both liked the front seven, especially the front four. But we both made the point that secondary, you're going to be able to throw on them. What have we seen the past two weeks? We saw Daniel Jones look half-decent at times against that Washington team. That shouldn't be happening. And they're going to be playing Josh Allen, the Bills, next week. They could be running into a buzzsaw. 
that's as a result that affects your fantasy team because now Taylor Hanicki is going to have to throw the ball a heck of a lot more than Washington wants him to. A heck of a lot more than they want to scheme him to. If J.D. McKissick is going to be the guy on second downs and third and longs, he's still going to maintain that passing down role. He's a PPR flex. He is. Not wasting fab on him. Not wasting a priority on him. If I'm a Gibson owner, I definitely want to make sure I grab him because I do think he is the one-on-one handcuff. But this is a guy right now that if you're in PPR leagues, could potentially be a spot star for you or even a flex play for you. We all got excited after week one. Or I shouldn't say we all. A lot of people got excited after week one because Antonio Gibson had the five targets. He was led the way like, oh, maybe he will get the CMC treatment. But then when I told you guys about the snap count and said, hey, McKissick had 20 snaps still. He wasn't that far behind Antonio Gibson as far as playing time. That might lead to production later on. It did. It reared its ugly head the following week. I'm not convinced McKissick's going away. I'm not convinced that Gibson's ever going to take the full workhorse role that we want him to, or at least be involved in the passing game the way he should be. I don't think it's ever going to happen. So Gibson, for me, his value actually lowered for me after this week for the rest of the season. It did. Because now we go back to last year. How is he fantasy? How is he such a fantasy asset last year? Scored a lot of touchdowns. Scored a lot. Now, I'm not saying that won't happen this year. It hasn't happened yet, by the way. But I'm not saying he won't be able to be a touchdown efficient player this year. I'm not saying he's not not an RB2. I'm not saying he's not a young player with explosive ability to have RB1 weeks. But that potential ceiling of a guy who you thought might have a chance to finish inside the top five, that's off the table in my mind. Barring an injury to J.D. McKissick, that's off the table in my mind. That's the that's the upsetting thing about J.D. McKissick. But as far as picking him up goes, he's available again, 42% of leagues, PPR. You know, wait for him for when he's free after your waiver's clear. We don't use fab budget on him. But he is going to be in that territory for me. Guys who are kind of interesting and are also going the handcuff territory. Tony Pollard, of course, is going to be very interesting this week. He's about 38% owned on average right now. I expect that number to be over 50. I do not expect to be talking about Tony Pollard. I'll wait report next week. If you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have to own Tony Pollard. You have to. I know when we go in the drafts, I talk about in redraft leagues, I don't like to draft handcuffs because I want to have as much roster versatility as possible. But that does change once you get into the season. Because about two weeks in, you usually could tell, at least at the bottom of your benches anyway, guys that are not going to be utilized on your team. So drop those guys and secure your team. If you're a Zeke Elliott owner, while he's not an injury risk in my mind, you have to own Tony Pollard. If anything were to happen to Zeke and you didn't have Tony Pollard, you'd be left out the dry. Completely. Completely left out the dry. And if Pollard continues to get this efficient usage on his limited snaps, because he is still playing about half the snaps and maybe even less than that. Did He did actually less than half this past week with Ezekiel Elliott. But when he's out there, they're utilizing him. He had 13 carries. Elliott's 16. He had the more efficient passing day. When he's out there, they're utilizing him, even if he's not out there all the time. So that's where you need to go get a Saquon Barkley. You have to, I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley. And Tony Pollard looked like Saquon Barkley out there. So you got to get him. And if you're not a Ezekiel Elliott owner, he is a prime 
pick up and stash player. And again, like I said, if this usage continues, even on the limited snap count, somebody that you might be able to think about in a spot start or flex play too. So he started getting to that value territory. Kenneth Gainwell, very similar in my mind to a Tony Pollard, doesn't have quite the same upside of a Pollard, which is why he's next in line on my book, but 29% owned a handcuff to Miles Sanders, a running back who is a lot more injury prone than Ezekiel Elliott. So he might have a better chance to get the job at some point this year than Tony Pollard does because of that reason. But another guy who's getting very involved, another guy in PPR who might be a flex play for you at some point. It's it's all Miles Sanders and Ken Gainwell in that backfield. They haven't even had Boston Scott out there at all. Anybody else out there for that matter. And this past week, I mean, I if it wasn't for the numbers, I don't know if I could have told you the difference physically looking at Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders. I, I don't know if I could have been able to tell. I No, not at all. So Gainwell is definitely a pickup for me too. Again, 29% owned now. In his case, I should go back. Pollard, you're probably going to have to use some fab budget this week. I think he's going to be a popular pickup this week. So if you want him, would I use my number one priority on him? No, not if I'm number one. But if I'm in, if I'm in a 12-man league and I'm six or lower, I think he's worth the priority pickup. I do. Fab budget-wise, I don't want to go any more than 10%. Hopefully, you'll be able to get him for like seven or eight because you figure the only person you're bidding against is Ezekiel Elliott owner. If you're Ezekiel Elliott owner, I'm going 10. I'm making sure I'm getting him. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. And then Ken Gainwell, he should be somewhere between five and eight. He could even be free. I don't know if people are really jumping on the Kenneth Gainwell train just yet. Again, know your leagues. I probably wouldn't use a priority on him. If I thought I could get him for free, I would. But I don't necessarily want to lose out on a Kenneth Gainwell on the stash right now. Alexander Madison's in a different book. Now, he comes in here. He is on my way report. He's 28% owned on average. Like the other two, he's a high-end handcuff. However, unlike the other two, he's not getting utilized where you're starting to think about him in the flex player or spot start, even if you know his the runner, the starting running back in front of him is is healthy. He's not in that category. Now, of course, Cook has a small sprained ankle. I think that's the way Mike Zimmer described it. Very uh medically, you know, knowledge there. But uh I think the, the point was this. They don't expect Dalvin Cook to miss much time. In fact, there's a chance that they think Dalvin Cook could actually suit up this week. However, if that's not true, Alexander Madison would be an RB2, at least an RB2 this week automatically. And if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, kind of similar to Ezekiel Elliott owner, kind of similar to a Miles Sanders owner, you have to own Alexander Madison if the opportunity has presented itself. You have to. You have to use a priority on him. You have to spend fab dollars on him because, again, I think he will be a popular pickup because of the question looming over Dalvin Cook and the value he could represent. So, unfortunately, I think you might, if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, I think you might have to go somewhere between 8 and 10% to make sure you get him on your fab budget. If you're not the Dalvin Cook owner, I wouldn't go chasing him because, again, he needs Dalvin to be hurt and it's not going to be, regardless, it doesn't sound like this is going to be a long term injury. So I don't know how crazy I want to spend resources on this guy. I wouldn't spend my top pickup, my waiver power priority. I wouldn't spend, probably wouldn't want to spend any fab. But if you need a spot start this week, and I'm looking at that Dalvin Cook owner, I'm saying, you know what? 
I might try to, I might go five or seven. Depends how desperate you are. I wouldn't want to go much higher than five. Seven would probably be my cutoff in that situation just to see if maybe, maybe the cook owner tries to think he can get him for free. That's about as far as I go. Cause again, you're talking about a week. Maybe we don't even know if he'll get that, but he should be on the waiver wire report. The next guy is a, a pure stash. If you have IR, I've actually heard this mentioned in a few places already, but if you have an IR spot, given the circumstances around San Francisco, pick up a stash of Jeff Wilson. First of all, he'd be completely free. You wouldn't have to use a priority. You wouldn't have to spend any fab budget on him. If you have an IR spot open, pick up Jeff Wilson. The way this backfield, the way this team in general just goes down the injury, and then on top of it, Trey Sermon was not involved in that game plan. There was no intention of using him whatsoever. That much was made abundantly clear. He didn't get his carry until Elijah Mitchell got hurt and Jermichael Hasty got hurt. Basically, when he was the last running, last running back left out there, that's when he got his carry. And then he fumbles and gets a concussion. Now, I don't know if they're going to hold the fumble against him. Do you, as a coach, do you hold the fumble against him because the guy got a concussion on the play? Be like, that might be why he fumbled. We'll see. They might not have a choice regardless, but he's not a lock to play this week. They brought in, what, TJ Yeldon, Duke Johnson, Lamar Miller, all to try to give them a look, all to see what they could do. They brought all of them in. We'll see if they sign any of them. They probably will sign at least one because figure they've been adding these guys to their practice squads. Trenton Cannon was, you know, activated because of his role that he can play on special teams. Carry on Johnson might get activated and I could see him signing somebody. If I was them, I'd sign Duke Johnson. That would make the most sense to me. He has the most left of the group that they brought in, but who knows what they'll do and who knows if they'll even be an asset. But what I do know is this. When Jeff Wilson played, he had Shanahan's trust. And he got a lot of the goal line carries at that too. Kind of what we were hoping, the role that we were hoping Trey Sermon would have paired up with Raheem Mostert this season is basically what Jeff Wilson already has done for the 49ers and has the trust of Kyle Shanahan. So if Trey Sermon still doesn't have the trust of him, and we're about another three weeks away from Jeff Wilson being eligible, if you can stash him for free on your IR, go ahead and do so. Don't give up any resources for him, but if you can stash him for free on your IR, yeah. This this backfield can change quickly. And if you have a running back who you know Shanahan at least trusts, you probably have an upper hand. That could be Jeff Wilson, believe it or not. Just kind of looking ahead there with that one. We move into the wide receivers. I love Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields back on there. Again, I talked about that. He wasn't big on my sleeper list. I was I was the anti-Darnell Mooney sleeper train that was going on this offseason. I'm going to be on it now because now Justin Fields is the starting quarterback, and he's 49% owned, so near the 50-50 mark, but still was able to make the waiver wire report for me here today. He actually had the most targets this past week when Justin Fields came into the game, so you kind of like Darnell Mooney there. Both the Arizona corner receivers, Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore. Kirk, Kirk is 25% owned right now. Rondale Moore, 19%. Rondale Moore will probably more targeted on the waiver wire than Christian Kirk will because he just came off of that huge game, and he, he just looks like a phenomenal athlete in the making at the wide receiver position in the NFL. He just does. So he's going to be a big-time pickup. However, Christian Kirk continues to play more snaps than him. And while I expect these two to go ahead and jump ahead of A.J. Green, I don't expect Rondale Moore to ever out-snap Christian Kirk. 
Now, it doesn't mean he won't be more effective. It doesn't mean he can't be more fantasy valuable. But Kirk is still going to, as long as Rondell Moore is a thing, Christian Kirk, I believe, will be a thing too. It's an up-tempo offense. They're throwing the ball. They're even more up-tempo this year than they have been in years past. They're throwing the ball a little bit more, and we'll continue to do so because that Arizona secondary is terrible. So they're going to be in more shootouts than not. And that's just how the offense functions too on top of it. So I'm picking up Rondell Miller, not necessarily to play him right away, mind you. I think some people might be picking up with the idea they want to play him right away. But as a guy who could really be a strong stash and cash by the end of the season. Same thing goes for Christian Kirk. Now, I think the beauty of Rondell Moore having the big game that he had, you could probably get Kirk for free. You probably don't have to use any resources to get Kirk if he's available in your league. Rondell Moore, on the other hand, if you really want a guy you could stash, I probably I probably consider using five to seven percent of my fat budget just to make sure I get him. If I have a priority that's in the bottom nine of a 12-man league, I'd probably use it. Instead of trying to take the chance to move up, I'd probably just stay, you know, you still would be in that bottom tier area anyway. He's worth that too. I wouldn't use him if I'm in, if I'm in the top, you know, seven, six. I wouldn't use him there because he's just not going to be ready to go yet. But he's worth some resources. He's worth some resources. Another guy, if you're in PPR leagues, I like a lot is James Crowder. I've talked about this a few times. Looked at Braxton Berrios last two weeks. He was the second most targeted receiver right behind Corey Davis in week one. He was the most targeted receiver this past week. Zach Wilson has to get the ball out of his hands quickly. With no Makai Becton, a terrible offensive line. Otherwise, as it is, what looks like an inept offense. I have not been impressed with Matt LaFleur thus far. Or Mike LaFleur, excuse me. He has to get the he has to get the ball out of his hands quickly. The slot receiver is still a thing in New York. James Crowder has been a very valuable fantasy asset, especially in PPR leagues in the years past, especially the last couple of years under Adam Gase. It looks like that role is still there. It does. It looks like that role is still there. So in PPR leagues, I think Crowder is somebody you can play as a wide receiver three, as a flex play, and even you know, maybe more so as a flex play in half point PPR, but he's worth owning and he's only 17% owned on average right now. I don't think you're going to have to, because he hasn't played yet this season. You're not going to have to use any resources to get him. So that's going to be a nice pickup for free there too. Tim Patrick, 12% owned. He had the touchdown this past week. He'll continue to be a guy that you can plug and play and expect a decent amount of production out of in the right matchup. As long as Jerry Judy is out. I know that sounded like I have a lot of you know variable contingents for you, but it's the truth. He's a wide receiver four, but he scores touchdowns when given the opportunity. He played the second most snaps behind Cortland Sutton. He is the other starting wide receiver. We've seen Tim Patrick be valuable before when given that starting role, when given the opportunity to do so. He's done it consistently throughout his career. So if you're looking for a guy you need to plug and play, you're banged up, Tim Patrick, get him for free. You can get him for free. Uh, I did have Amon Ross St. Brown on this list, kind of hoping he would have a, de- a decent show out in the Monday night game. Didn't happen. So I would say at this point, St. Brown, you don't have to go get him. He's only 8% owned on average. I still think by the end of the year, he has the opportunity to become the top Detroit wide receiver. I still think there's a reason to be optimistic about that, but I would say there's no real reason to own him right now because he would just be bench fodder for you until something changed with Detroit's offense. 
Rashad Bateman, kind of same similar situation as Jeff Wilson, but of course he'll be back a lot sooner than that. I'm really curious to see. I'm curious to see if he doesn't step in and take over the Sammy Watkins role sooner rather than later. I mean, in camp before he went down to injury, he was all intents and purposes, the number one receiver out there. Now, part of that has to do with Marquise Brown was banged up during that time frame as well. But he's a he's a chain mover. He's a safety blanket. He gets open. He's a true number one receiver in my mind. So while Marquise Brown's putting up some flashy numbers the first two weeks, I think there is reason to be hopeful and cheery about Rashad Bateman. I really do. So for me, what I would say to you guys would be pick him up, stash him. He's got the upside later on in the year. Here's another guy. I cannot believe the needle didn't move on him at all. And I guess it's because it's Minnesota. KJ Osborne. I mean, he was only 1% owned last week. And yet, it had a big game, right? Week one. Then all of a sudden, he comes in week two. Didn't move the needle on him at all. I actually mentioned him right away in the waiver wire report last week. For the same reason, I'm going to mention him again this week. The defense isn't good. Now, again, I don't know if this defense will play much better when Anthony Barr is back. Because without Anthony Barr... The Minnesota Vikings apparently don't have a pass rush. And their secondary is eh, okay. By the way, that means Patrick Peterson too. He's eh, okay. It's not great. He's not Patrick Peterson of old. But they play disciplined football. But disciplined football only takes you so far if you don't have any talent, especially no talent to get the pressure on the quarterback. So I do wonder if they'll be a lot better when Barr comes back or not. But as long as he is out, and potentially even when he is back, this Minnesota defense does not look good. It looks like the same crappy defense it was a year ago. It does. If that continues to be the case, there's going to be more volume involved for Kirk Cousins in the passing game. There is reason to believe a third receiver can exist on this team. I think previous to in, in offseason and training camp, the idea might have been that it was going to be Irv Smith because he's out now. And Tyler Conklin's a tight end who's an absolute nobody and proving to be so because he's getting all the opportunity in the world and not even showing up on the box score. Because of that, KJ Osborne gets to roll in and he has that big play capability. And when you go to take on the Minnesota Vikings, you're not worried about KJ Osborne. You're looking at Stephon Diggs. You're looking at Adam Thielen. You're looking at Dalvin Cook. So KJ Osborne is going to consistently have a mismatch as a result of that. He needs to be more than 1% owned. Now, I'm not saying this guy is a must start every single week, but he is as much of a boom or bust wide receiver for as any of the Chiefs wide receivers are, for instance, most of whom are greatly owned, or I should say Michael Hardman is closer to 50% owned. He's just as much of a boom or bust option as a Tim Patrick, who's more owned, James Crowder, Christian Kirk, a Darnell Mooney. He has just as much upside as Darnell Mooney if this defense continues to play the way it is. So I think KJ Osborne is worth a stash. And guess what? Again, you're not going to have to use any resources to get this guy. And that's the whole benefit of it that way, too. The last guy who makes my waiver wire report, and this is more of a this is more of a down the road type of thing. Like if you, if you have the space to pick up a stash now, fine. If not, don't, but this is more of a guy that I just want to bring to your attention. Now, not necessarily telling you MD nation to go after this waiver wire. That's Pat Freermuth. 
Look, we all know if you don't have a top five tight end, you're probably looking to stream tight ends on a week in, week out basis, more times than not. Now, this year, given the situation of tight end, it actually might be top six or seven tight end, which is nice. It might be growing. It might not be so desolate. But still, if you, you're going to be a team who is looking to stream because there's not 12 tight ends out there. I can tell you that much right now. Pat Freermuth played ahead of Eric Ebron last week and has been kind of trending in that direction for a little while. It didn't quite happen in week one, but it did happen in a significant way in week two. Now, because they have all the other wide receivers, no matter who the tight end is, their you know, expectations are going to be limited. That's why I say, again, streamer based on matchup. But because this offense looks absolutely no different than it did a week a season ago, where, where you know Ben Robsberger has to get the ball out of his hands, he looks for the tight ends in the red zone. Pat Freeman has some, has some. Yeah, let me keep my eye on this guy. He potentially has some value here down the road if he continues to play well ahead of Eric Ebron, because he does have a good receiving skill set. Not a great one, but a good one. He's nothing an athlete to break away. He's nothing an athlete in the red zone. I think it's not going to be long before we're talking about Pat Freermuth as a mid-level to high-end tight end two who we're streaming on a week-in, week-out basis, depending upon the matchup. I think it might not be long before that. So this is more of a, I want to have you guys paying attention to this. If you're looking for tight ends, then I'm saying go after and go get them. But definitely worth a look. Definitely worth a look. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, we did the Sunday night, Monday night recap, and we talked about the waiver wire report. Go out there, continue to get better. Be aggressive on the trade market. See what values you can find. Be aggressive on the waiver wire. If you have a roster spot in which you can utilize, utilize it. I can't tell you how many leagues I've seen where people, you know, they have spots they can move guys to IR or they have guys that should have no business being on their team, would never play on their team, and they just leave them on the bench in the back end. Utilize, maximize your rosters. It will pay off for you more times than not by the end of the season. I promise you that. Be the guy who has all the players, has all the cards. If nothing else, they could potentially turn into assets for trade value down the road. Always keep that in mind, too. That's why you always want as many assets on your team as possible. Even if they're not going to play on your team, you want as many assets as possible because you never know who might break or who could be a trade value piece for you at some point that you need them to be. So just my little fantasy football tidbit for you guys here today. Remember, we'll be back on Thursday. From 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Talking about the Thursday night preview. Talking about the early Sunday matchup games. And then we'll be back again on Friday at the same exact time with the Thursday night recap and the late Sunday matchups, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night preview. We may or may not have a guest on Friday. I don't know. That's something I'm going to try to continue to do. Some other changes might be coming down the road for the MVS Fantasy Football Show. Stay tuned. It won't be happening this week, but if they do, they'll happen the week after, and I will keep you guys up to date. Make sure you're following us on social media at Show, especially for those player news notifications, because we'll be busy this week getting those out and any new content that we ever have for the MVS Fantasy Football Show. Check out our TikTok channel. I always post out a lot of good content there. Little tidbits in case you're on the fly and need a, just a minute and a half video to help you out your fantasy team. We have you covered in that area too. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Check out this show or any other show on your favorite pod streaming app. And make sure you check us out tonight from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Guys, take it easy. Have a good night or have a good day. Rest of your day. And we'll see you real soon on Thursday. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.